0: Welcome to the Femi Pod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from, and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen, and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. To the Pod. This is episode number forty. Thank you so much to everybody who's been listening to the pod so far. I can't believe we're up to episode forty. Pretty crazy, uh, but yeah, I hope everyone is good and um, enjoying the conversations that we've brought to life so far. Today, of course, I've got my co-founder here, Esther, with me, and we're going to have a bit of a chat around a very exciting product launch that we are about to launch. We will go into details about that very soon, but before we do, Esther, how are you? What's been going on?
1: Hi, guys. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for everyone tuning in. And yeah, I can't believe it's episode 40. It's crazy. So exciting. Uh, it's been a cool journey, and starting this podcast has been really fun and something that I never thought that. I would do alongside you which is really cool but yeah been really good been pretty busy lots of work going on and just running again running quite a lot which is really good my body is good and I'm able to back it up and can do some hard stuff and then recover quite well and touch wood I've been not sick for three weeks straight so that's that's really good for me with my timeline of being ill lately so Yeah, really happy and I've got my first race coming up on the 27th so I'm going to do a 10k which will be really cool and I'm just so excited to get back into it and uh, yeah do a race again it'll be fun no expectations and just go into it and have lots of fun Uh, but yeah how you been Liz I know you got a big old run coming up this weekend which is exciting
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. Um, same as you, pretty busy. We have been chipping away. For those who do know, we are in the start mate journey at the moment, so work's been pretty full-on, but exciting, full-on, like lots is happening, which is really cool, and we'll jump into more details about that very soon, but um, I have been running quite a lot. Yeah, I've probably had about eight weeks of consistent training now, uh, anywhere from like 120 to 150k per week, so there've been some pretty big weeks, but it's nice to feel that consistency again, but I'm definitely Like, I feel like eight weeks for me is a good amount of time to feel like I've gained fitness and progressed in my. Training, but it's also the amount of time where I start to kind of like feel the fatigue from the training. So it's nice to have a bit of a taper this week to build towards the off marathon this weekend that I'm racing. So I am racing the half on Sunday at Sunny Coast, which I know is a really good course. I ran the marathon there a few years ago. So it's nice to be back at this event and I'm speaking on a panel for the event on Friday and then racing on the Sunday. So it's going to be a cool weekend of running and being amongst a running community again which is yeah exciting I get like you it's like going into it with no expectations I just want to race and have fun out there and I have absolutely no idea where I'm at fitness wise and um, I haven't raced properly in probably you know, over a year and a half um, I ran the half at uh, the full marathon last year but I ran it and ended up coming off three weeks of no running so I wouldn't really consider that a proper race but it's going to be good to just get out there and get amongst it again, which is very exciting. So things are going well. And then um, I am running a marathon, which I think I've announced on the podcast, Chicago, uh, which is in October. So I'm all signed up and ready to go to the US in another couple of months, which is pretty frightening, but uh, <laughs> exciting too. So yeah, lots going on. That's awesome. I can't wait to see how you go in these
1: races coming up, Lids. And I think sometimes, we've well, we have talked about it a fair bit, but having no expectations often works in our favor because then you don't if it doesn't go well you're not disappointed and if it goes really well it's probably because you were super relaxed and had no expectations and no pressure on yourself so go out there and have fun I'll be cheering for you from NZ over here and then obviously your marathon as well super exciting coming up but yeah we're gonna obviously launch into that new product that we've got coming out very very soon so we'll start with why we've created the course and introduce some of the experts that are part of uh, this product, which is called Femi Theory, which is really exciting. And I'll hand ball over to Liz to give you a brief overview about the course and the uh, experts involved as well.
0: Yeah, so Femi Theory has been in the works for over 12 months now. I would probably say we're going on about 15 months of work. We originally came up with the idea to create the course of Femi Theory based off our own experiences both as athletes and now as coaches working specifically with female athletes. So the course, what the course is, is it's a education course that is online that you can work through at your own time. And it's been built to teach coaches and trainers more about female athletes. So we know that there's this huge lack of education in the sporting and exercise space specifically around female athletes. We know that you know, less than 6% of research studies in sports science research studies are actually being done on females. So that's a pretty horrific stat to think about how little we know as coaches, as trainers, even in the medical space about the female body. So we've really created this course to be able to bring what education there is out there and uh, research that is out there about female athletes to the forefront. So coaches and trainers can become more confident in empowering women. So Our tagline is educating others to empower women. And that's exactly what we're trying to do is like really just allow coaches and trainers in the exercise and sports space to feel really confident when it comes to working with female athletes. So we have, as S mentioned, experts involved. I'm sure most of you out there listening will know who our experts are because we have had them on the podcast before. But just to reintroduce those girls to you we have Dr Izzy Smith who's our endocrinologist who's currently based in Sydney Australia and she is just absolutely amazing so she works with both females and males but mostly females around their hormonal health Uh, she works with girls who are suffering hormonal issues and um, we've really brought her into the course to be able to bring the specifics about female physiology diving really deep into the menstrual cycle and those hormonal fluctuations that happen throughout the cycle, the impacts of those, what that does have on female athletes. We also highlight issues around you know, PCOS, endometriosis. We talk about post-prenatal. We also go into details around mental health and contraception. So there's a lot of information brought to life by Dr. Izzy, as well as our other experts, Sarah Whitteson, who's our dietitian, who's based in Christchurch, New Zealand. She goes into a lot of detail around those topics but a lot more to do with fueling and food and then we have Grace Coombs who is our physiotherapist also based in Christchurch New Zealand who is an incredible physio who works with females who are suffering from potential bone stress injuries that has come on from what we know as relative energy deficiency syndrome in sports she also works with girls who are pre and postnatal as well um, so she's incredible and we are so lucky to have all three of those experts who bring together what we call the Femi Theory Enrichment, uh, and that's all about the physiology of the female athlete and how coaches should be aware of the physiology and that changing physiology throughout the menstrual cycle, if they have one, but also throughout our life cycle as well. We then dive into Femi Empowerment, which is, a, I guess, the second uh, subheading of the course and covers off things like how to work with female athletes specifically, a lot around how you communicate with athletes, the terminology that you should be using, building confidence in female athletes, which we know is a huge one. And these topics are brought to you by our psychologist, who's a provisional psychologist, Lily Burden, who I'm sure a lot of you have heard of before. She's also one of our FEMI coaches Um, and then myself, Lydia and Esther, we bring to life some of those topics around how you as a coach or a trainer can actually work with female athletes in a way that empowers the female athlete and really allows the female athlete to feel confident in who they are and therefore get the results and the performances that they're chasing as well. So the course covers off a lot. It's huge. Um, There's a lot of content in there and we're so excited to be able to like bring this course to life to just spread more education and knowledge to anyone that's working with female athletes so we can encourage females to stay in sport.
1: Love it it's so exciting we're so close to launching and I think you know you may be wondering why we chose to target this course specifically at coaches and trainers and there's absolutely no reason why an athlete can't do this course as well especially if you are invested in learning more about yourself because it is specific to a female so The reason we chose to target specifically coaches and trainers was because of our experience uh, being coached by specific coaches that have really affected our mental health and our self-belief and a lot of the things they were saying to us was because of lack of education and the detrimental effects that that has had on both Lydia and myself to do with falling into eating disorders because we were told to lose weight or we were told to do x y and z when really women's bodies don't actually benefit from that and that's due to a lack of education so we hear so often about even in elite settings coaches that have acted in ways that are inappropriate or done things that they shouldn't have done and it's been detrimental to women's health Uh, so that's the reason that we've gone specifically into this coaching trainer aspect to start with but there's no reason why this course can't evolve into so much more than that as well so we're so excited to get this going it's been like let's say 12 months in the making and yeah a lot of hard work gone into it so we're just so excited to get it out there but I think that leads really nicely into going deeper into our history of of what our coaching history has been like both Lyds and myself and I know Lyds yours was a lot more positive as a junior and then potentially a little bit more detrimental as you got older but do you want to just give the listeners a a run through about what what your experience was like as a junior athlete with your coach?
0: Yeah I had an incredible coach when I was at high school so she really picked me up when I was probably about 11-12 years old. Um, She probably saw the potential in me and that I guess innate competitiveness that I had as a child and she really wanted to take me under her wing and build me up and she was a PE teacher at our high school but she was also the run coach of our running group at school and and, and an ex-athlete herself so she held the Commonwealth Games 800 meter record up until I think only maybe like 10 to 15 years ago so she was amazing she ran for Scotland at the time and I was just so so fortunate to be able to go into a school that had someone like her leading the athletics department and the running um, the running group so she coached me from the ages of about 12 to about 17 before I headed over to the states and know her take on sport and running specifically was all about just like having fun and go into it with a really open mind and really turn sport into a social element for girls to actually just be enjoying themselves and having a good time so we had an amazing group we were one of the only schools in New Zealand at the time who actually had a proper running group and we would go away on trips and training camps all the time she'd take us to some pretty incredible places but it was never about the running as such. It was way more about just like us, you know, becoming friends and having fun and yes, getting fit. But it wasn't just like we weren't just there to train and be winning medals. She never pushed on us to like be the best of the best. She was also always telling us to be patient and that. No one remembers a young athlete. She would always say that to us. And she never spoke about what we looked like or about our body image. Uh, And it was never a conversation of like, you have to be doing X, Y, and Z to be getting the results that you are chasing at such a young age. So it was such a powerfully positive relationship that we created with the sport. And definitely a huge part of why I'm still running now is because of her and the way that she built running into my life to be something that I just have always loved. And so I remember her sitting us down. It was actually in a PE class. And I'm sure many girls out there can resonate with this. A lot of the girls in my class would not want to do PE, especially if it was swimming. And they would use their period as an example to get out of having to do sport in PE. I remember my coach sitting there with our class telling us that when she broke the 800 meter record at the commonwealth games she had her period and she was always competing on her period and that it didn't make a difference to her and so i obviously knew very little about menstrual cycles back then none of us really got taught about menstrual cycles or or really even about our periods um but i do remember her saying that and being like wow okay having a period can't stop us and shouldn't stop us. And that was a pretty pivotal moment for me. I definitely suffered like my own body image issues, which I've spoken about a lot before as a teenage girl, but having her build such a positive relationship with my body and with sport um, allowed me to just, I I think if I didn't have her, my relationship with my body would have been much, much worse so she was incredible and like i said like i thank her for everything really because i think she just instilled such a really um sustainable relationship with with sport and with running specifically and i know we're very different when we look at our teenagers and like the way that we were competing in sport i know your your relationship with your coach was very different to the relationship i have with my coach do you want to go into details about your experience Yeah, definitely. It's so funny when
1: I listen to yours, it's just
0: like the stark opposite.
1: And what I hear so often is that this mentality that, that I suffered from in the, in the hands of the coach is still out there in a lot of coaches' minds. And that's what we're trying to change with Femi Theory. And I think what we want to create is coaches like Liz had, because that's just so cool to hear that back then, even when there was very little education, wasn't spoken about at all, periods were much more taboo. She was having these open conversations and leading the way. So like, honestly, that's so cool to hear. And that that's obviously what we want with all coaches. So yeah, my coach uh, was the complete opposite. So yeah, I was like a pretty good runner. And I started getting coached by a, quite an old school mentality coach which is like more mileage, better, leaner, you're better, uh, just punish your body basically. And I was you know, 13, 14 years old. And I, I look back at my training logs and I think I never actually got the exact kilometers that I was running, but I imagine it was anywhere between, it was over 80 Ks a week as a 14 year old girl, uh, which is just ridiculous and so unsustainable you know you shouldn't be running those k's until you're probably getting up into your 20s I think anyone in their teens should not be running that many k's and it's funny because you say that saying no one remembers a junior athlete and it's true but I just thought that running was everything and that I was like a really successful runner because everyone around me was pushing me just as much as I was pushing myself. And yeah, my coach really instilled in me distance and mileage, you need to do lots of K's, heaps of K's. You know, to this day he still says if you don't do 130 K weeks, you won't be good at running. And I just laugh now because I think a lot of his athletes have burnt out and don't run anymore. And you know, that's prime example. And I just count my lucky stars that I actually left him early enough to not completely screw myself and be able to still run at the age of 30. So I feel really blessed. Uh, in that sense but yeah he sort of really instilled that like leaner is better uh, never talked about periods ever and he had a group of junior girls and he often encouraged us to be leaner and that we needed to look certain ways and that really pushed me into my eating disorder I think I was learning all of these mentalities from him and taking them over into my own life and you know I was I was really successful at running And while I was still healthy, I was, you know, winning nationals and winning lots of medals. And then I obviously went down the path of restricting my eating and I did well for about a year and I I won World Secondary School cross-country champs. I went to World Youths, qualified for World Juniors. I did all these cool things, Uh, but there was like a downward path heading straight at me like a big bus, basically just coming to smash me over. So at about the age of 15, I think it was. I left that coach and went to another coach and that mentality was the same thing smash your body but more speed work and shorter running and so the combination of all the K's that I'd done and then moving into lots of speed work and faster running worked in my favor for a very short amount of time and then that's when the the crash and burn started to happen so yeah I I remember I used to do all my long runs. These are 15 kilometre, 16 kilometre runs at the age of 15 at four minute Ks. And I was running down this road and it was two weeks before I was meant to go to World Juniors in Poland. And I was at this stage severely under eating. And I just remember having these, these pains in my feet and wondering what they were. And then I was like, oh, I'll stop. And then I kept running thinking they'd go away, but they didn't go away. And then that's when I realised I had a stress fracture. So I went to the doctors and got diagnosed with a stress fracture. And that's when my sort of journey with healing began. But those two coaching experiences were just not good. Like the unsustainable approach that they both took to me because I was successful as a junior athlete. It was really sad to think that they almost used me to be a good athlete for them as coaches. You know, like they weren't looking at me as a person as I look back at it, they were looking at me more as like results and, and whatever, whatever I had to do to win, they would be behind it. So yeah, really, really shit experiences as a junior. And I feel like those coaches, yeah, they did not look after me well and it wasn't a sustainable relationship that I had with sports. So that ended up, you know, leading to me quitting running at the age of 18. But I still remember to this day, there was this running forum and the forum which was another coach talking about me they were talking about junior athletes that are successful that then drop out of sport and they were talking all about the athlete but not talking about the coaches and not talking about the approach that the coaches were taking with the athletes which in hindsight is really unfair because all these junior athletes were probably reading them talking about them just as I was and they literally were talking about me saying, prime example, Esther Kuen is that athlete that overtrains, trains as good as a junior and then it's just gone. So yeah, again, no responsibility put on the coach, just everything put on the athlete. Uh, so yes, it wasn't a great time as a junior. I still value it because it, you know, it's made me who I am and it's helped me want to form Femi with lads and that sort of thing, which is awesome. But yeah, I think we really, obviously, with Femi Theory, we're trying to change this. And what you know, I went through, and I know Liz has been through it more so as a senior, and certain things that coaches have said. Uh, but do you want to touch on that a little bit more, Liz, around
0: your twenties and what you went through? Well, it's funny, like even when you say that stuff about how um, you know coaches, all they're chasing is results to make themselves look good, and that aren't actually thinking about the athletes. A different like resonates with me when I left high school and went over to America and went over there on a athletic scholarship and I was planning on being there for four years and I ended up staying for max six weeks I think it was for a few reasons but a big part of it was that I'd come from high school with this incredible coach who really understood me and understood females and really just like approached us all in such a personal and positive way to being put in this environment in the NCAA system where all the coaches care about is how good they look and their results to get them a promotion. And I won't ever forget being in this position. We went out for a long run um, a day after an indoor meet that we had. So we all raced on the Saturday, went out to do a long run on the Sunday. And we came back and the coach was crying because we hadn't run our long run fast enough. And I just remember being absolutely shocked because A, we'd just raced. We were doing a 90-minute long run, and I think it was like on this like dirt, sandy road. And I was 17 at the time. And the fact that our coach was crying because we hadn't run long enough, hard enough like or fast enough, it was just like, that was the first experience for me where I was like, what is this sport and what is going on? This is not good and not healthy and definitely not what I'm used to. And then I also remember hearing that one of the boys had to race at one of the meets that I was at because they had to make up the team to get the results. And he had a broken leg. like He was running on a stress fracture and no one cared because they just wanted the school to do well. And those sorts of things, I'm like, no wonder these people can have such negative relationships with sport and their, and their bodies, because when they're being put in those situations, it's, yeah, it's not about them at all. You just are a number. And it's so inhumane to me. But Yeah, I went from that experience to then taking 18 months away from the sport because I just like didn't see myself fitting in into such a toxic environment to then slowly coming back into running one when I was about 18 or 19. And then throughout my 20s being coached by uh, various male coaches who were on paper, really good coaches. They were really good at programming and tapering you off and getting you ready for events lots of experience and allowed me to perform i guess to the best of my abilities in the mental state that i was in but that mental state was not good and a lot of that was bad because of the environments that they were putting me in the the words they were using the things they were saying to me the way they were making me feel about my body and and the huge drop off in my own confidence because of how they were approaching conversations with me so Early in my 20s, I had a male coach who was telling me that I needed to lose a certain amount of weight. He would grab my stomach, tell me I was too big, um, tell me if I wanted to hit specific times that I needed to lose X amount of weight. And although he had absolutely no idea the significance that was going to have on my own confidence... I'm not blaming him at all for like speaking to me that way. It's just that he was so uneducated in the way to approach females and female athletes that he was pretty much treating me like any of his male athletes. I think I was his only female athlete at the time. And I think that just definitely showed in the way that like he spoke to me. And I kind of went from being with one male coach to another male coach I ended up staying with for quite a long time. And again, incredible coaches in terms of like actually programming, but their lack in knowledge around female physiology and females' mental health was so bad. And I was was not aware of it at all at the time. Like I totally thought it was normal. I thought it was normal to be told that I shouldn't get a period or that I should restrict my eating. I should get put on diet supplements. Like I thought that was normal to be an elite level runner. And I accepted it and I didn't question it. And so I pretty much did whatever I was told to be able to lose weight so that I could perform better. And that led me to disordered eating, huge body image issues, overtraining, not allowing myself to recover, essentially burning out, getting relative energy deficiency syndrome, losing my period, crashing, and then not being able to run again for a long time. So you know, I look back now and I'm like, if those coaches knew more about female physiology and actually embraced our menstrual cycles and adapted the training to uh, my menstrual cycle and encouraged me to eat well and fuel my body and not speak about food as being almost this like demon that was going to stop me from performing well. Like I remember my coach telling me not to eat cake and I know eating cake every day is probably not the best thing for you, but I, I like cake and I think with the amount that I train, cake is absolutely fine and would probably allow me to perform better just to get the calories in that I need to be able to execute the training. I just think like if he knew more about like approaching conversations in a better way, then I probably would have performed a lot better in my 20s. I'm not saying I wasn't performing well, but I think I had way more potential to perform so much better and also do it in a way that I was happy and enjoying myself and not beating myself up because of the way that he spoke to me or told me you know that I needed to look different yeah I think I would have had a much more enjoyable 20s being in the sporting environment that I was in yeah so it was tough it was rough but like again like we've learned so much from this and exactly why we've built Femi and now Femi Theory is to kind of undo all of that work that has been done and, and, and redo it for coaches and trainers that are working with females so we can actually encourage them to love themselves love their sport love their training want to stay in their sport for a long time and do it with a smile on their face
1: yeah it's so true it's such a it's such a short-term approach to like target weight to target all these things rather than look at you as a holistic athlete, what will actually get Lydia to the next level will be consistency, not getting injured because she's fueling heaps, keeping her menstrual cycle because she's healthy, doing all these things that literally they were doing the opposite or instilling these beliefs in you that are the opposite of what's going to create a long-term sustainable athlete that's going to get to the next level. You don't get good at running over a year. Like it takes so long and it takes, quite a lot of consistent years without injury to get better if you go down the angle that Liz and i both went when we thought okay well i'm going to lose the weight that they tell me to lose then, and you go and you restrict your eating yes you may do well for a very short amount of time and then the onslaught of what we both went through ruined our running for over five to six years for both of us so we completely need to change the whole mindset of people that if you consistently put in work and look after your bodies, you will get the pay, you will get the benefits, and it will pay off. Rather than these short term, stupid band aid things
0: that people say. A huge part of it is also like about confidence, which we speak about all the time. But it's not always about the body image stuff with the coaching. Like my coach used to tell me that I couldn't hit specific times, that I wouldn't be able to do this, that I wouldn't be able to do that. Like, and if I hit times in training, he'd be like, "Oh, you're doing that too fast." For where I'm at and it just like really affected my confidence because as a coach you have such a responsibility to build confidence in your athlete and allow them to feel confident and happy and have a huge amount of self-belief in themselves and then here was my coach telling me that I I remember saying to him oh, I'm going to run sub 16 in a 5k and he said to me oh no you can't do that go out at 16 10 pace and I was like well, of course you're gonna listen to your coach who's like got this power of authority over you. And so I listened to him and I ended up running 16, 10, but I knew I could have gone harder and I wish I'd gone harder from the start, but because he said that, you know, it just really affects your confidence there were so many times that those situations happened as well. It's like, it's not just about telling me that I was too fat. It was also telling me that I was not fast enough, which is like, as a female athlete, confidence is everything. Actually, as any athlete, you need to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, you're never going to succeed. And so that's another thing we're like really passionate about changing is making coaches aware of the words that they use and the way that they instill that confidence. Because that's so powerful when it comes to performance and also uh, how happy you are in sport
1: yeah a hundred percent I think quite often coaches probably don't understand how much power their words have over athletes and I think coaches and trainers need to be aware of the responsibility of that role and how important it is that they understand that the words they're saying to those athletes could be completely changing like you said the, the confidence in themselves it could change the actions that they do take towards their bodies it could change so many things by just a sentence that you say to your athletes like it's not a joke and it can affect their mindset forever and what the course is trying to target as well like understanding how important it is that you as the coach know and take that responsibility really seriously and that you are a role model to these athletes they look up to you they want your respect and they want you to you know, believe in them. And if you're the one saying they don't believe in you, or you're the one saying, do this, that, you're not good enough, they're going to believe it. And, you know, both of us did for a very long time. And I think you have to understand that junior athletes as well, it it can be quite impressionable. Like for me and my, my example, I prided myself on winning because everyone around me gave me lots of praise when I won and when I did well. So when people would say things to me, oh, you could, you know, win by doing this and win by doing that. I'd do anything to do it. And that's that's the thing. So what you say to your athletes is just so important. And that's what we're trying to change. We want our coaches to take that seriously and understand that they have a lot of impact on these athletes for a long time.
0: Yeah, and that also... It comes down to just like that lack of education and knowledge around what is actually right for female athletes you know and for their bodies and this idea that these coaches are working with athletes of all sports this isn't just running they're working with female athletes and they don't even know anything about the menstrual cycle. They don't know what actually is beneficial for female athletes because of the lack of education that's out there. So they've been giving this advice to female athletes that is completely wrong. And that's actually being so detrimental to the health of the athlete mentally and physically, but it's just like led the athlete to not be able to perform to the best of their ability because they've been doing things that aren't correct such as fasted training. We all know now how bad fasted training is for female athletes, but guarantee there's still coaches out there that think that's a beneficial thing for athletes to be doing, going into training and not fueling themselves. I even remember one of my coaches telling me to not take gels on some of my long runs because he thought that it would like teach my body to burn more fat. And now I'm like, I am not going to perform well in a long run if I'm not fueling throughout the long run and taking gels. And that's where I'm going to get the benefit from is actually like feeling strong in the long run versus like teaching my body to burn fat. Even that sort of stuff. I'm like, that's where we need so much work to happen. And hopefully Femi Theory is the first step into allowing coaches to become more educated because of the incredible experts that are bringing to life this education. Like they are the best of the best in the industries and we have them here to be able to teach everybody how better to work with athletes And about the female body and how the female body actually works. Because unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't know um, even a thing about a menstrual cycle, which is pretty crazy.
1: It's crazy, yeah. I've definitely been told to to fast as well. And then asked later on if I was doing it. And I was doing it. And it had the opposite effect. So, you know, that also smacks your confidence because you're doing what they tell you to do and it's not working. And you think there's something wrong with you. Due to that lack of education,
0: yeah, it goes pretty deep. It's not, it's not our fault. It's females. I think it's um, it's really important for all of us to be aware. Like, if you feel like you're doing something and it's not do, it's not giving you the results that you're after, then it's not your fault that you're doing the wrong thing. It's just because of the lack of education and, and we're hoping that with the femi theory course, all personal trainers, if you're working with a personal trainer in a gym. Or if you're in a sporting environment and you have a coach hopefully they all can do the course and we urge all of you to like push for that because that's the least we deserve as females is to have someone who actually understands us you know tell us what to do and at femi we've been obviously working with athletes for nearly two years now is that right yeah nearly two years Uh, and so we've had this amazing experience with working with our female athletes really closely with them, really personally with them, and everything we do, as I'm sure all of you know, is built around the menstrual cycle, and we adapt all the training to the hormonal fluctuations that happen throughout the month, and we have such a personal close relationship with our athletes, and we've been able to see the results of these relationships, and the way that we train our athletes, and you know, the way that we put such an emphasis on the menstrual cycle, and are providing them with like physical training that is actually appropriate for how they feel and where they're at and how they can actually absorb the training and benefit off the training and we've had some pretty amazing results over the last couple of years and we're so excited to share some of these with you because I think it really highlights the way that females can change their own perspective about themselves through education and through support and connection so should we jump into some of those Survey results that we've run recently, uh, and chat in detail about kind of some of the outcomes. Because I I get really excited by these, and I think the listeners will too.
1: Definitely, yeah. I'll just throw throw the numbers out there, and then we can dive in deeper uh, as we go. But so we surveyed 25 athletes, and 24 of them have been training for three months or more with Femi, and 16 of them had a or have a regular natural menstrual cycle. So. Some of the key findings from the survey were uh, empowerment through their bodies. So this one's really awesome. hundred percent of athletes feel more empowered in their bodies. And I think let's touched on it before. That's definitely the education piece and understanding what's going on inside your body validates like how you're feeling. Whereas before it was probably just push through, just do this, just do that. Whereas now it's like, actually, no, let's listen to our body here. This, this, and this is happening. And so therefore, we feel more empowered within our body and like more, there's more validation behind how I think a lot of the women are feeling, which is really, really cute. Uh, Performance improvements. So 84% have improved performance, which is an amazing number. Confidence. Athletes rated their confidence in themselves on average at 53% prior to joining FEMI. And now on average, since joining FEMI, it's at 78%. So an increase of 25% on average for each of those ladies, which is a massive change in confidence in yourself. And the main drivers behind the confidence was increase in education on their body, self-compassion and having a coach work one-on-one with them around their menstrual cycle. And then has that confidence spread to other areas of their lives? 100% of the athletes said that the confidence has spread into other areas of their lives which is exactly what we're after because although sport's one vehicle to build your confidence and that's kind of what we're we're trying to do with Femi and the angle that we're taking to build women's confidence, you know, if that's translating to their careers, to the confidence in themselves within their social groups and their families, like that's just going to make women believe in themselves more and hopefully have more women in certain industries and chasing after things that potentially they didn't have the confidence to do before. So
0: very cool. Yeah so awesome like this stuff lights us up so much because I definitely think the confidence one is the big one for us because I think the empowerment in your bodies the fact that you're feeling more empowered and the fact that you're getting better performances all leads to that idea that you're gaining confidence and an increase in 25 percent of confidence is huge and I I don't know if I 100% expected it to be that high, like I was really excited to find out these results, Um, but to know that like on average it's gone from 53% up to 78% by being part of FEMI is pretty powerful and like we're not claiming this completely at FEMI, but it's pretty amazing that the women have been able to take that uh, step to help themselves by joining FEMI and to be putting in the time and effort to build that confidence in themselves by learning about their bodies and executing training that feels right and is right for them so yeah it's pretty amazing and like you said sport and running is not everything and we never want to push people to be like focus on sport your purpose should not lie in something you do every day it's so much deeper than that but if you can use sport and running to be a stepping stone to like get to that place and figure out who you are and what you want in life like that's pretty amazing. And yeah, we're super excited to continue to build this education around the world. And I think it's important to become educated on yourself, but I think it's also so important to have people around you that you're working with to be educated. Like that is where the change is going to come from. And and we are just going to be pushing as hard as we can to get this information and education and knowledge out to people and power of females, because it doesn't even stop with sport. Like it goes beyond sport as well. Like even in the workplace, people should understand the female body and female physiology and psychology so much better than they do. And we all know, and I'm sure we can all agree that the world has been built by men for men. And, and we know there's a lot of work to do to be able to break down those barriers and create a world that's of equal opportunity to all gendered and non-gendered people. Uh, where we definitely think this course and bringing education to light is definitely a stepping stone to be able to get there so we're very very excited for it
1: yeah yeah. so excited stay tuned this is obviously the first time we've gone into depths about the course which is really exciting for us but we've got a lot coming out soon to give you a lot more information about what it entails and yeah the details of the course and what's really involved with it so keep your eyes peeled and follow along for the journey
0: yes we'll be launching a waitlist next Wednesday so we know this pod is coming out on Friday so you'll have a few days to wait and if you stay tuned on our Instagram you'll be able to join our waitlist, and you'll be the first to hear when the course is launching and you'll also be able to hear about some other expert editions that we're going to be running on the podcast about the course and going into a little bit more detail and to what the course entails but Yeah, thank you so much to everybody's support so far. We definitely couldn't have spent the last year or so working on this course without all of your support so far. So thank you to all of you. We're super excited for what is to come. And if you have any questions or thoughts or feelings about this episode or FEMI theory or FEMI in general, you can definitely get us at FEMI.co on Instagram or you can head to our website, FEMI.co. But Esther and I will be back next week with a very special guest so stay tuned for that one thank you in the meantime and we'll chat to you all next week